0: Well, I want to welcome everyone to the Hills, uh, all of you at South Lake or West Fort Worth campus, all of you that watch online, and a special shout out to all of you that come in person to the 1130 service of the North Richland Hills campus. Thank you for making room for others by being at this particular service. Last week, we started a series called That Is Who You Are. Now, We're taking time to just celebrate the awesomeness of God by using uh, the words of a popular Christian song and its chorus that says God is a way maker, a miracle worker, a promise keeper, a light in the darkness. And to enter into our teaching today, I'm going to have a season of unapologetic and unabashed cuteness. Are you ready? So, So, that wasn't cute, but the... So, um, I have two great nieces. They live in Germany with their mother and father, who's a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force, and they're serving our country there. But last spring, they were in Texas. In fact, they were there for a while because they couldn't get back because of the virus. So, they began to watch our church online. And my little nieces fell in love with the song, Waymaker. So, Aunt Jamie sent them T-shirts with the words of the chorus on the shirt, and their grandmother wanted at Jamie to see them. So this is Caroline and Maddie, my great nieces. Please watch. And sing it to her. It worker, promise keeper, keeper, in the darkness, darkness. my God, that is who you are. Ah. Is that Maybe. what yours says too, Maddie? Wow, they love them, Aunt Jamie. Thank you so much. And let me comment on the uh, brilliance of my great niece who's studying Hebrew and learning to read from right to left. Did you notice that? Uh, That kind of brilliance runs in the family. So, not to be outdone, Melissa Barra sent me a little video of her great nephew, Case, singing the same song. Watch this. So there you go. You don't have to worry about the future of worship ministry because we have some great young worship ministers growing up. So, and by the way, you can send me the videos of your cute grandkids. I'll watch those as well. And it reminded me when I was a child, one of my favorite times in the evening was to sit on one side of my dad, my brother on the other. And he had this big thick book and he would read us Bible stories. In fact, just recently going through my dad's home, I found that book that I had not seen in decades. I loved those stories, especially the ones that involved the supernatural. And as a child, my worldview had no problem accepting accounts of miracles as real and true. And you know what? <laughs> my worldview still does. I still have no problem believing the stories in the Scripture of God doing miracles. Now, I recognize that some would think my worldview is a bit Childish, Because the waters we swim in today uh, tell us that uh, the universe is mechanistic. That if it can't be explained by a natural law, it can't be real or true. Now remember, we said last time, the most important thing about you is what you think of God. Do you believe in a God who is a miracle worker? And it might be a struggle for some of you because you've been taught that you can't believe in the God of the Bible and believe in science. Now, I don't have time to go deep into this. Several years ago, Taylor Wallin and I did a series, But What About?, where we took up some of the largest obstacles to faith. And in that series, there is a message by Taylor that's just brilliant on the Bible and science and that is on our website and I would encourage you to go and listen to it again let me just say now it is a false dichotomy to think that science is about evidence and religion is about accepting irrationality which might explain why there are such a huge percentage of believing scientists in the world you see if you have left religion Because of this false dichotomy. You have not left faith. You have just shifted faith. Because everyone has a faith system. Everyone makes assumptions about reality that cannot be proven through the scientific method. That's important what I just said. Everyone has some assumption about reality that science cannot prove. Science can do great things. I love science. I believe we can trust science because it's simply exploring the world God made. Science can uh, combine things, crossbreed things. It can even clone things. What science cannot do is create out of nothing. There is no scientific way to take nothing and produce something. And we all admit something is here. So get this. The matter of how matter got here is a matter of faith. You have to make a faith conjecture on how things got here. And you're not delving now into science, you're going into philosophy. Now, I happen to believe the evidence that science recognizes that we live in an extremely ordered cosmos. There is such intelligent design in this universe It almost gives you the impression someone intended for it to be that way. You see, you've got to come up with an explanation. How did nothing produce something that is so designed for life? My explanation is the first five words of the Bible. In the beginning, God created. I didn't turn off my brain. I used my brain and looked at what this universe is pointing to. So if God exists... It's not unreasonable then for me to say, impossibility does not. That science can describe how the universe operates, but not dictate how it operates. And so, please understand, my worldview believes in natural law. If I walk off a ledge, I'm going to drop. But my worldview also has room for a God who is not restricted by the natural laws He created. So that someday when Jesus comes back, my body is going to rise up in the air and meet him there. God can do anything consistent with who he is and what he wants done. The creator can intervene into his creation any way he chooses. And he can do so easily. I mean, he doesn't burn calories, pull muscles. He doesn't exert extra effort. God has never said to the angels, I am worn out from the load I've lifted the last few days. So I don't want any prayer requests for a while so I can rest. As God said to Abraham in Genesis 18, Is anything too hard for the Lord? The I am that is revealed in the scriptures can do whatever he wants, wherever he wants, whenever he wants, with and for whoever he wants, if he wants. Just ask Elijah. Elijah. Each week in this series, we're going to look at a story from the Old Testament. And today we're going to be focusing on 1 Kings 17 and 18. You go back and read those chapters later. But in two chapters, you just have one story after another of the supernatural. It starts with Elijah going to King Ahab saying, It's not going to rain again till God says, And it didn't rain for three and a half years. Then God sent Elijah out to the barren place by a brook, Where he got fed by ravens every morning and night. Then God sent him to another country where there was a widow about to starve. A little bit of oil and jar for her and her son. Elijah says, make me something to eat. She, I got nothing to make it with. He says, just trust me and you'll never run out of flour and oil. And he stayed there for a long time. And they had miracle food every day to eat. Later, her son died. Elijah said, give me the boy. He laid down on top of that boy. Now realize, no one in the Bible to this point has ever come back from the dead. And Elijah prayed, God gave him his life back. And it happened. Then you read about how Elijah had a contest on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal. And he called down fire from heaven. Then he prayed. And after three and a half years, a drought ended. And God enabled him supernaturally to run past Ahab's chariot. To get home before the king did. I mean, story after story after story, and every one of them is presented as very, very normal. Because to the authors of the Bible, faith is not illogical, faith is theological. Faith introduces God into the equation. And so we agree with Prophet Jeremiah, our sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing's too hard for you. You know what he's saying? God, if you're the creator, then there's nothing in creation you cannot do if you want. And so despite the efforts many have made, God has remained stunningly shrink-resistant. I am still is. So let me put my cards on the table. I don't believe miracles are just what God did. I believe miracles are what God still does and his reasons for working miracles are just as valid today as they were in the times when the scriptures were recorded let me share with you three God does the impossible to extend his mercy we teach our kids to pray God is great God is good and because God is good he often intervenes into his own creation To do things we weren't expecting. It was the kindness of God that made sure his prophet had supernatural breakfast every morning. It was the compassion of God that moved him to return life to the son of a pagan widow. And that miracle had nothing to do with the future agenda for Israel. It was just God being good to a broken hearted woman. It was the grace of God that sent his reign back to Israel to fall on the just and on the unjust. See, we should be grateful that God's great power is exercised through the filter of his great mercy. This separates our God from the gods of other faiths and the ancient gods who had great power, but they were malevolent. They were capricious. It is a scary thing if a God can do anything he wants and he's mean. He's mean. But that's not our God. We never have to worry that our God would exercise His power apart from His goodness and His mercy. And so it shouldn't be surprising that when Jesus shows up, we would read many times that compassion prompted Him to do the supernatural Like, for example, in Mark 1, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said, and moved with compassion. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And you have these stories all over the Gospels, like Matthew 14. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. The reason Jesus cared to do miracles is because Jesus cared. And you know what? He still does. The God who did miracles out of compassion is still a compassionate God. And so we hear stories of God in His grace just touching people. I I read a story about a woman named Dr. Helen Rosevear. Now, she was one of the first missionaries To go to Congo she was a doctor she set up a medical mission this was many years ago and a woman came to her that had a little girl and she was pregnant and she went into premature labor and in labor the mother died and the baby was born premature they didn't have an incubator this baby was going to die if it didn't get heat quickly and their hot water bottle was dilapidated and unusable And Dr. Rosevear said, if we can't find a hot water bottle within 24 hours, this baby won't make it. So they began to pray. And there was a girl in the mission that saw the little sister who was now an orphan and said, and and God, we need a doll for her so she won't be so lonely. That afternoon, a box came of supplies. They opened it up. Of course, at the top, there was a brand new perfect hot water bottle. The little girl began digging in the bottom and guess what she found? A doll. And here's the back story. That box was put in the mail five months earlier by a group of praying women in England. Even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. Why would that happen? Because God is just good. And he does miracles because he's good. But also because he's great. And so another reason God does the impossible is to expose false gods. That's why sometimes in the Bible, miracles are also referred to as signs. Because they're pointing to something. God is doing the supernatural to reveal something about Himself. So for example, His mighty acts turned a Canaanite woman from idol worship to allegiance to Israel's I Am. And God often would do Miracles, to launch revival, to point people back to the true God. In fact, that's what happened with Elijah. So here's the whole story. A a wicked king named Ahab and his even more wicked wife Jezebel had led the people of Israel into deep idolatry of the Baals and the Ashtoreths. And and the people uh, were, were kind of doing this mixture of a little bit of God worship, a little bit of Baal worship, and Elijah called them out. He said, everybody come up here on the mountain and we're going to have a competition. Only the gods are not going to be the judges. The gods are going to be the participants. So he said to all the prophets of Baal, we're going to build two altars. And we're going to put a bull on each altar. And we're going to call down fire from heaven. And the God who answers by fire is the true God. Now you see, if you're a worshiper of Baal, that shouldn't be a problem. Because Baal runs the sun and he runs the lightning. Getting fire from Baal shouldn't be a problem, right? Elijah says to the prophets of Baal, you go first. So they started chanting and they started dancing. And this went on till about midday. And Elijah, I love it, he couldn't help himself. He started trash talk. He started saying, What's the matter? Is your God asleep? See he out of town? Is maybe he in the restroom? They just got even more excited and friendly. They even started cutting themselves and bleeding. Now, this went on all day long. The children of Israel watched all this foolishness. And then about sunset, Elijah said, Get off the field. It's my turn. He poured water on the altar. And then said, okay, God. foo! Fire came down. And Elijah turned to the prophets of Baal and said, scoreboard. And the scripture says, when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. Why does God do miracles? To reveal himself as the true God. So, should it be surprising when Jesus shows up And he claims, I am God in the flesh. He would do miracles to prove that claim. Like John 10, Jesus said, don't believe me unless I carry out my father's work. But if I do his work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I have done. Now, maybe like me, some of you grew up in faith traditions that discounted the present day miraculous i grew up in a church that taught me that everything in the bible is true but god doesn't do that anymore and i drank the kool-aid that's why i prayed such pitifully small prayers why pray big if nothing's going to happen and then i did something very dangerous as a young adult i read my bible And I started looking for the reasons why God did miracles. And I couldn't find a single reason why He did miracles He wouldn't still care about today. God still has compassion on people. God still wants to reveal Himself as the true God. Why would God stop doing signs that point people to Himself? He does. He is. All over the world. So... I had an opportunity to visit a Muslim nation not long ago. And when I say Muslim nation, I mean a nation, not just where a large population practice Islam. I mean a nation where the government says you cannot start or build churches, and if you try to convert people to Christ in public, you'll go to jail. There are some uh, ancient ruins in that country I wanted to visit, and I got a, a tour guide. And the guide knew I was a pastor from America. And so, when it was discreet, he revealed to me he was a follower of Jesus. And I asked him how he came to faith because he had lived all his life in this nation. And he grew up in a Muslim home. But he said, I always felt dark, I battled depression, and I was unhappy. And one day at work, someone gave me a Bible. And I'm on the bus and I'm holding this Bible. I've never had one in my life. I don't even know where to start. I just flip it open. And it flipped open to some place called John chapter 1. So I started to read that light had come into the world. And the darkness could not overcome it. And I started hearing in my head in Arabic. In inahoa, inahoa. In a hoa, In a hoa, Which is Arabic for... I am, I am, I am. That night he went to bed. He put the Quran and the Bible under his pillow. And he just prayed a simple prayer. I need the true God to reveal himself to me. And he had that night a vision. And he got up and his face was covered with horrific sores. And then suddenly, half of his face, the skin became as clean and pure as a baby's. And he heard this voice. And it said again, In Ahoy, I know you, you are mine. In Ahoy. And he knew that the God of that Bible was the true God. And today, ten years later, he meets in a home with many other believers. They will never have a pastor. They can't go out and build a church building. But they follow Jesus. And so many of the people in that community... Have the same story. I follow Jesus because I had a divine encounter with the true God. Now this is why I get excited about harvest. I, I, I don't believe we're taking Jesus to the world. We're going to where Jesus already is to partner with what he's doing to reveal himself to the nations. The way maker often makes a way to himself by being a miracle worker. And being a miracle worker helps convince us that he's a promise keeper. You see, a final reason why God does the impossible is to expand our faith. Every miracle Elijah experienced just increased his boldness to ask for the next one. How in the world did he get the courage to pray for a boy to come back from the dead? That's never happened in the Bible to date. Well, you know what? If you have supernatural breakfast every day for three years, you can pray pretty big. God responds to those who refuse to believe that the natural has the last word. Okay, since nobody said amen, I better say that again. (laughs) God responds to those Who refuse to believe that the natural has the last word. Come on, people. People who refuse to say with God some things are possible. You know, Jesus often healed people simply because they refused to believe the natural had the last word. A woman who had had a blood disease for 12 years and doctors couldn't help her thought to herself... If I just touch his clothes, I could get well. And she did. And she felt the power come into her body. And Jesus turned and said, daughter, your faith has healed you. In Mark 10, Bartimaeus is on the side of the road, a blind man calling, Jesus, Jesus, what do you want? I want you to fix my eyes. (laughs) And Jesus said, your faith has healed you. But one of my favorite stories is in Mark 2. Four guys carry a paralyzed man on a mat, and they put him at the feet of Jesus. And it says that when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, get up and walk. Now, get this. God is so good that sometimes he gives a miracle to somebody because somebody else believed for him. And our God responds with mercy to us. Who want our faith expanded so that we can begin to experience the supernatural more often. God gets it. We swim in this current every day of the universe is mechanistic. And it's hard sometimes to believe that the natural doesn't have the last word. So, for example, a man comes to Jesus one time with a very sick boy. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can Anything is possible if a person believes. And the Father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And our God wants to help you overcome your unbelief. He wants to help you develop a faith that will not settle for it is what it is if it's not what God says it could be. In 2006 on the Discovery Channel, they had a piece on 9-11. When the planes hit the two towers in New York City, the foundations were rocked. And what it caused is many of the uh, doors to jam and seal. So people were in offices and they said, we're trapped. We cannot get out. And, And yet some of them were rescued by first responders that literally burst through the walls and made a way for them to escape. And see, the thing was, the walls were painted to look like they were concrete, but in fact they were just sheetrock. There was a way out. They did not have to live into the captivity of their situation, but they didn't know to believe that. God doesn't want us to live in captivity to the natural. He doesn't want us to live in captivity to what imper impassable. Because with God all things are possible. Listen to James, the brother of Jesus. When a believing person prays, Great things happen. Elijah was a human being just like us. Okay, stop. Here's the problem some of you have in my sermon. Well, yeah, Pastor Rick, but if I was a Bible character, I could expect to see miracles. But I'm not a Bible character. I'm just an ordinary person. So was Elijah. He wasn't from Krypton. (laughs) says he was a human being just like us. But he prayed that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And then he prayed again, and the rain came down from the sky, and the land produced crops again. Because when a believing person asks the miracle worker anything, is possible. And so let me retell one of my favorite all-time stories. It happened in 1995. It was told by Paul Harvey, the well-known radio commentator. A young mother in Biloxi, Mississippi, pulled into the parking lot of a grocery store with her three-year-old son. And she gave him a little lecture before they got out of the car. Now, Mama's just going to run in and get a few things to make supper for you and me and Daddy. And I'm not going to buy chocolate chip cookies. So don't even start that with me. So she put him in the little cart and they go up and down the aisles. They came down the aisle where he saw his heart's delight. Mama, could we please get some chocolate chip cookies? Mama told you we're not getting any. They go around the corner. Mama, can we go back and get some chocolate chip cookies? Don't make mama have to spank you in this door. We're not getting cookies tonight. So she got in line to check out. Evidently, the little fellow thought, this is my last chance, because according to Paul Harvey, he stood up in the cart and said, in the name of Jesus, could we get some chocolate chip cookies? And evidently, the people that heard him were either so convicted or amused that Parvey says that young mom went back to her car with 23 boxes of chocolate chip cookies. So it's 2020. The vision that has driven our church for many years is almost over. Very soon, I'll be sharing with you a brand new vision for our church. I shared it recently with our elders, and it has got some audacious plans. And I said to them, If we give our church a vision that isn't so big only God could make it happen, we've thought too small. Listen, the most important thing about you is what do you think of God? Is your God a miracle worker? If so, then it is impossible to ask too big. Our audacity to ask can never exceed His capacity to answer. That's how Jesus taught us to pray the first four words. Our Father in heaven. That wasn't His address. That's His authority. Jesus is teaching you to pray. Your Father lives above this universe. Your Father lives outside this universe. He created this universe and He can do anything within it that is consistent with His character and His will. God can do Whatever he wants. Whenever he wants, wherever he wants, for and with whoever he wants, if he wants. Don't let anyone tell you different. And so I have a good friend, a pastor, who has three precious little girls, and every night he reads them stories. The oldest girl has gotten to the age where she started school and she's starting to learn the difference between make believe and real. And so a few months ago, daddy was reading a story to his little girls and the oldest just blurted out, that's not possible. And little sister blurted right back, you're not the boss of possible. That's pretty good theology. No professor, no doctor, certainly no skeptic is the boss of possible. God is a miracle worker and with him all things are possible and so church have great faith in God but even more have faith in a great God a way maker a miracle worker a promise keeper a light in the darkness my God That is who you are. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray to Him right now. And I'm going to ask you to do the first part of the prayer. And I'm going to ask you to do two things. Here's the first. I want you to ask God to intervene right now in your life, in some place of your life where you feel trapped or stuck and you don't see a way. It feels impossible. Ask God to do something. Now, one more thing. Remember those four guys that brought somebody to Jesus? Jesus did a miracle for somebody because somebody else believed for them. Right now, I want you to believe for somebody else. I want you to ask God to do something amazing for somebody else. Believe for them right now. Maybe a healing. Maybe a breakthrough. Maybe a salvation. God's greatest miracle is to bring us to Christ. Right now, I want you to believe for somebody else. And oh God, we believe, but help our unbelief. And it would help if we could hear testimonies in the weeks ahead of the amazing things that you did because of our prayers. We declare that you are great. We declare that you are good. And we declare that you are alive and well and involved in our lives. Help us to see you more. To share you more. For Jesus' sake. Amen.